I was reminiscing about this. I said, I don't think I've ever written anything longer than 10 pages since college. And the college was in the 80s. Since then, it's been short emails or PowerPoint presentations. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside. And I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. David Newman calls himself the Evo guy, which is extra virgin olive oil. He is committed to educating people young and old about what quality extra virgin olive oil really is and when you can be deceived. He is no slouch to the food industry. He comes from a long line of experience and has all sorts of incredible accreditations that he received in Italy with olive oil. I'm really excited to talk with him today about some of the myths of olive oil and simple tools that you can walk away with to make your olive oil purchasing experience that much easier. Great to see you today, David. Thanks for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure. So I know this is a loaded question, but how did an American Ashkenazi Jew from Washington, D.C., who speaks no Italian, no Greek, no Spanish, end up loving olive oil as much as you do? Well, I've always loved food. Uh, all the way back to the early days when my uh, mother had me help her uh, cater some of the house parties as a young child, and I was always involved in the kitchen. Um, growing up in Washington, D.C., we had access to wonderful uh, French food and international food, and it just became um, a passion of mine. Um, in college, I worked my way through college uh, bartending and waitering, and then Ultimately, when I moved back to Washington, D.C., um, the Four Seasons hired me and said, we'd like to put you in a, into a, um, apprenticeship program and you work your way through the hotel. And food and beverage was the area that I was most um, drawn to. So the passion for food started very early with me. Was there olive oil consciousness when you were at the Four Seasons back then? Did you even know what that was? I certainly used it all the time. I, I'm certain I did not know the brands or the quality. I used whatever uh, was in the bottle. Um, but I knew it was foundational in food. And working even part-time at Williams-Sonoma, I saw these fancy bottles on the shelves for a lot of money that, to me, was a lot of money. And I realized that there's something to this product, but I just don't quite understand it. And it never really came across my desk until you know I was in my 40s to determine what is olive oil. It's a shame. Hmm. And I know that a lot of people in this country and many other countries use olive oil and we go to the grocery store and we just kind of stand there at the grocery store, you know, in the aisle where there's all this olive oil. And we're just like, mm -hmm. we're flabbergasted. We don't know what to do. And you've seen a lot of, you know, grocery store games played. You were with Nature's Path, Organic Cereal, you were with Whole Foods for a very long time. And so what has olive oil go through to actually get to the shelf? That's a concern first before we talk about any kind of fraudulent labeling. Well, the concern, and I think what most consumers don't understand is olive oil is perishable. Everything in the grocery stores pretty much has a shelf life unless it's loaded with preservatives. And even then I would question, you know, how long it's actually going to be edible. But olive oil is actually quite perishable. And I usually liken it to orange juice. You know, orange juice, uh, um, you know, refrigerated orange juice that you buy at the store, 
you know, if you keep that in your refrigerator for more than a week, 10 days, it's going to be sour. Mm. Olive oil has a much longer shelf life. It doesn't need to be refrigerated, but it is equally as perishable. Uh, it cannot handle heat, light, air, or time. The acronym I use is HALT, heat, air, light, and time. Any one of those or a combination of those four um, challenges to the quality will certainly lead to a shortened shelf life, even an inedible product. So what consumers need to understand is this product took a long journey to get to your store. It has already been through quite a bit of uh, potential damage. The last thing it needs is for you to further its destruction by either using it incorrectly, storing it incorrectly, or holding it on onto it too long. So there are these producers that you've been to their mills, you've seen their trees, you've you've, yeah. you've been in the evocative beauty of olives in the land. Yes. They're doing the best they can to deliver this olive oil, but some of them pay more money to ensure that it arrives at the supermarket with better transport. And so that makes that olive oil, that extra virgin olive oil, actually more suitable to have, even though it's a little bit more money than some of the cheaper olive oil, which, which are basically, I think you use the word lampante. Is it lampante? That's just, it's just junk. It's like lamp oil. Yes, that's exact. That's a direct translation in Italian. Lampante is lamp oil. And it is actually what the Israelites used uh, to burn the candles uh, for Hanukkah, you know, thousands of years ago. So olive oil has a very long history, but it typically was very, very low quality, almost inedible quality. But, you know, 2000 years ago, people were you know, eating raw animals. So uh, bad olive oil wasn't a problem. Today, we have much higher standards of expectations. And I would say one rule of thumb is don't scrimp on olive oil. There's a lot of ways to make your grocery dollars stretch. And I know we're all on a budget. But this is a product that's foundational in the Mediterranean diet. It is one of the healthiest foods you can eat because it's raw. If you get the good quality, the um, unrefined quality, it's all natural. You can get organic. And the quality of the trees certainly determines the end quality of the product. There are farmers and estate owners that have been doing this in their families for hundreds and hundreds of years. They are born into it. They don't know any other way. So they're raised on an olive oil, on an olive estate. They usually crush their own olives or they send them to a local cooperative mill. And even if they go get educated, they still come back to run the family business. This is in their blood. So I consider this product a very, very important part of our culture, even though as Americans, this isn't a food that most of us grew up on. It's fairly new to America, but worldwide, it's foundational in the way they eat. And by the way, these Mediterranean countries have a much higher life expectancy than we do in America. And eating is a big part of why. You know, it, uh, since we've started working together, and we're going to talk a little bit more here about, about your book, um, I can't go to like an Italian restaurant and look at the olive oil they have sitting on the table with the, with the red wine vinegar anymore. You ruined me. Um, because I know it's probably been sitting there since the, the last generation owned the, uh, Italian restaurant and, uh, you know, talking about people carrying around little, vi you know, little vials of, of olive oil so that they have better quality. But, when we're standing there on the shelf and we're in the supermarket and there's a bottle of olive oil, it's $7. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bottle of olive oil that's $15. 
The $15 olive oil, you're saying price does actually matter. Price does matter. And I do have a lot of faith after 30 years uh, in the food business to uh, confidently say that the buyers are not going to arbitrarily let a brand sell for something that doesn't have a foundational reason for that price. So those checks and balances, I can assure you, are in place. But that quality of olive oil um, is misunderstood by even the people that buy it. So while we still have to prove its value to uh, a retail buyer in order to get the price on the shelf, they are less informed sometimes than consumers because they may be younger. They may not have had any experience traveling or you know don't eat out a lot. So they don't even understand that category very well. So I really put it back to the consumers. Don't let a bottle, an image on the bottle, a shape, uh, the fanciness of it sway you. Look at the pricing. Find a price that is suitable to you. Then realize that the more you pay for that oil, the likelihood of you getting a better product is pretty good, but is not guaranteed. And that is where you're going to have to become an amateur at home taster in order to really judge that quality for yourself. Yes. And you have some simple tips even before they get to tasting. For example, if the bottle says, you know, extra virgin olive oil from Italy, right? And it's got the Italian peasant on the front and it's evoking all this great, you know, emotion and family and everything. You're saying, turn it over and really look at it and you'll see what. Are you an aspiring author burning to write a book? We would love to help you at A Story Inside. Head over to astoryinside.com. That's A S T. O-R-Y inside.com where you can receive surefire tips, my weekly newsletter, and an opportunity to speak with me about going from desire to yes with that book. Time is of the essence, people. And now back to our great guest. I would say almost every single bottle of olive oil that you look at has some misdirection or sleight of hand on the packaging. The front of the package is called the PDP, the Principal Display Panel. And that is where a producer is trying to catch your attention. They know you only have seconds looking at a, at a busy section. So they try to catch you with all these romantic images or these, you know, catchy phrases or, um, medals, uh, neck hangers with medals that they won five years ago that mean nothing. I would really say that there's nothing on the front or back of the bottle except for things like the year of harvest. That's very important because you want to get the youngest oil possible. If it's 2021, and we just finished the harvest of 2021, and you see a bottle that says harvest date of 2018, that oil is three years old and is not edible. I would say no thank you and move on. Um, You want to look at the best before date, but that best before date, again, does not properly articulate the actual best before date because one, the government doesn't require it, and two, there's no science to that's foundational behind establishing that date. Most olive oil brands put two years of best before date when they bottle the oil. So if the harvest is in October of one year and they bottle the oil of September of the next year before the new harvest, they will add two more years to that bottle. So in effect, you are getting a three-year-old bottle of oil. Amazing. Yeah. People just don't know this when they go in and you've had all these incredible experiences, nine years as the president of Lucia Italia olive oil. And if you think about it, someone can go to Starbucks and they can get, you know, a latte and a muffin and it's the same price of what they're going to spend for the olive oil. So people get it home, right? They've made a choice and um, you're suggesting that they open it, smell it, 
And if they don't like the way it smells, bring it back and just say, no, thank you. And um, what are some of like the smells? I know it's such a, you you know, this is, you, you've gone through intense trainings for this mm-hmm. and we can't expect the consumer to know how to go through it, a, a detailed tasting, but what would be some tip offs that they would smell that the, that the oil's no bueno? Well, you're totally right. Buy the bottle, get home keep your receipt and immediately open the bottle. I know you have better things to do, but I promise you it's better to get this out of the way quickly. Um, smell the bottle. It's better if you can actually decant uh, about one ounce into a glass and allow it to have a few moments to let the aromas um, you know, open up and put your nose into that glass and smell it. If it isn't like a fresh cut grass or green tomato leaf or herbaceous or has a very fresh vegetal smell that's appealing to you, the likelihood is it is not extra virgin olive oil. In the simplest way I can say it, it has to smell like you're walking in the forest or you walk through some fresh cut grass or you're smelling a beautiful salad. If it has a smell like tennis shoes, dirty feet, uh, rubber, Play-Doh, burning plastic, vomit, These are real smells that happen in defective olive oil. You have, unfortunately, no matter what the price is, picked up a bad bottle. And it's incumbent upon you to not use it because then you're allowing this type of thing to continue. You go back to the store as soon as you can with that receipt and you simply say to the customer service, I bought a bad bottle of olive oil. I would like a store credit to try another bottle or with my receipt, I would like my money back and you go to a different store. Those are your options as a consumer. But do not just buy a bottle of olive oil and put it in your cupboard and then use it and never taste it, never smell it. And beyond just smelling it, I would also taste it. Give yourself that little extra confidence that if it smells good, it should taste good. And make sure you like that taste because there are times where smells can be deceiving, even to a professional like me, and we have to taste that oil. And then the true hidden um, defects come out. Example, one defect is called um, musty or humid. Mm. That is a defect where the olives had fallen to the ground before they were harvested. They sat on dirt. They were collected usually with a vacuum, taken to the mill and crushed. Well, those olives have a permanent defect. You can't wash it off. The The soil has soaked into the skin of the olive and it's affected the meat of the olive. Now, it doesn't smell terrible because it's going to smell like maybe cut grass, maybe like earth. But when you taste it, it has a very foul, earthy dirty taste because the flavor is stronger than the aroma in that case. So I do recommend smelling, tasting, qualifying it. If it's good, keep it, use it happily. If not, get it out of your house and try again. And, you know, this is for people, you know, you're serving, you could use this bottle of olive oil, so many aspects of your cooking. You can fry an egg on it. You can, you know, drizzle it over a simple vegetable dish. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. not talking highly complicated ways that you get in a couple ounce serving of olive oil, you know, a day even that's, that's been proven to have health benefits. Um, so why would you want to serve your family rancid olive oil? And, and even recently I've been learning how to bake with olive oil and mm-hmm. use it instead of butter. And that's been extremely, extremely gratifying. So I'm really glad that you are writing a book about this. Um, this book has not 
is not out there, the sort of how to of olive oil for mm-hmm. the, you know, consumer that cares about what's on their table. You are a new writer. This is your first book. So tell me what's, what it's been like. What has it been like to sort of look at your life and all these incredible stories and journeys you've been down like in 30 years or more? Well, what's really interesting is when I trademarked evoguy.com, which is my business, I included books as one of the um, classifications. When you, when you file a trademark, you have to identify classifications because you can't own the name for everything. So I did include a book and I said, one day I'm going to have a, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to have somebody write a book for me. And it wasn't until I really saw you um, at a presentation that I realized that, hey, with coaching, because I'm very coachable, I probably could write a book, even though even in college, I think the longest paper I ever wrote was 10 pages. <laughs> um, I was I was reminiscing about this. I said, I don't think I've ever written anything longer than 10 pages since college. And the college was in the 80s. Since then, it's been short emails or PowerPoint presentations. Um, so this has really been very um, challenging for me, honestly, as a person of my age to write, uh, do the deep introspection that I think is required, as well as the, the technical um, inclusion of information that's going to be helpful to the reader. You're right on the money that doing a book about it is the way to get the message out to as many people as possible. It's something that consumers are not going to ever get away from having to be their own judge and jury of quality. Because in the end of the day, if you are a savvy shopper, these games are not going to be as easily passed off on you. But if you are somewhat a typical American consumer and trust labels and willingly pours this olive oil all over your food at home or at a restaurant, the chances are that 75 to 80% of the time you will be consuming something that is not what you intended it to be. Wow. Well, we're really grateful that you're here and we're really grateful that you're writing this book. And I really appreciate you coming and spending time with us today in the studio to talk about olive oil. It's been a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you as a convert. And I look forward to this book touching a lot of lives once it finally makes it to a print. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.